you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Well, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Sabin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. You know, I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring my guest on right now. Hello, Bob. How are you? (laughs) Uh, I'm good, Barbara. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And before we begin our interview, I want to let my listeners know about you. Uh, Bob Ginsberg started researching the evidence for survival of consciousness soon after his daughter passed away in 2002. Devastated by, of course, her loss, he needed science to tell him if she still existed in some form. And then in uh, 2004, Bob and his wife, Fran, founded Forever Family Foundation, which is a global not-for-profit that educates the public about evidence that we are more than our physical bodies. And Bob hosts the Signs of Life radio show, is a past editor of Signs of Life magazine, heads the foundation's medium evaluation certification program, writes a blog at beyondthefivesenses.com and is the author of The Medium Explosion. And Bob and Fran and the foundation are currently featured in the Netflix Surviving Death series. And sadly, Fran, his wife, passed away uh, in September 22 of 2020. And you know, I am so sorry for all your losses. well, losing your daughter and then your wife, that's, um, I cannot uh, phantom at all. I mean, the experiences of that. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it makes you um, be very much aware that, you know, every day is a gift, you know, and, and uh, life changes in the blink of an eye and, and you have to, um, there's nothing to do, but accept it you know you you live for today and you you have to you have no choice you just you just keep going keep going yeah it's a a loss of 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 wife or child or or anyone so dear to us is is devastating um i just lost my uncle a few weeks ago and, and that was devastating for me um so yeah this is a it's a tough situation but yeah we have to um get up in the morning, be grateful that our eyes are open and uh, move forward the best we can. So- Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with that. And, and you know, very often um, when you suffer some sort of a trauma, whether that be a loss of somebody or any physical or mental trauma, uh, very often that is a trigger for exploration as we seek meaning and purpose and mm-hmm. that, could come in the form of the work that you do, you know, with energy healing or philosophy or science, but you begin to think of things that you never contemplated before. I know that certainly was the true in my case. Right. So, so I, I would assume that that actually prompted you uh, in um, 
learning more about survival of, of consciousness. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if, if we were having this conversation 20 years ago, and, and, and you know, and somebody mentioned to me, you know, surviving death, I would have looked at them like they're a little off their rocker, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. to me, believing in life after death was like believing in Santa Claus, you know, it's a nice fantasy, but no basis in reality. Um, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I, I had personal evidence. I mean, my wife and the, my son and daughter were in a car accident and uh, at three o'clock in the morning on that day, uh, my wife woke up at, you know, she was shaking in bed. She was sitting up in bed and I said, what's the matter? And she said, something horrible is going to happen today. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, something devastating, utterly devastating is going to happen today. And I, I took her seriously. Why did I take her seriously? Because many times in our lives together, she had these visions or intuitive feelings. And every time she had one, it turned out to play out exactly the way she said it would. Mm. So then logic told me, even though I really didn't sort of believe in, you know, uh, mind over matter and intuition and so forth, uh, it told me if she was right then, she could be right now. And, you know, to make a long story short, I watched over my three children uh, throughout the day. Uh, that's what any parent would do when you have a, a warning like that. And I let my guard down at night and it faded from my awareness. And that's when the, when the accident happened. But um, after uh, I emerged from a month-long state of shock, because uh, my son was also seriously injured and he was in a coma and we didn't know if we we're going to lose him too, it suddenly hit me. I remembered that morning. I said, wait a second. Mm. How did Fran know? How did my wife know? Because she knew. She was trembling. She was ashen white. She knew. Um, and that started my personal journey and meeting with scientists and researchers and medical doctors across the United States that studied consciousness and the power of the mind and so forth. And I um, eventually, uh, I was amazed by the body of evidence that there was. I was like, when you, I looked at it, I said, how could everybody not know about this? You know, it was mind boggling to me. And, mm -hmm. One thing led to another, and we started this foundation, Forever Family Foundation, in 2004. Um, and now um, just shows you the interest in these things. We have 12,000 members across the, the globe, and um, there are a lot of people that not only have suffered the loss of a loved one, but they're starting to contemplate their own mortality. You know, we live in this age of the pandemic, and people around us, you know, are no longer here. And so I think that especially uh, those of us who are aging start to think about that possibility, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. You know, it, it, I, I've always known it was, it's, it's been real because my grandma was a healer and myself as a child, I was able to see spirit, speak to spirit, feel them. Um, and what made it truly real for me was when my grandma died at 18, when I was 18 years old. Because two weeks before her death, I actually dreamed how she died and saw everything that the about the funeral. And when I woke up, of course, I prayed to God, I said, please don't let that happen. You know, it was just a bad dream. But then two weeks later, my dream actually became reality. So I was actually seeing ahead of time. And everything that transpired that day was exactly what my dream was and yeah. it's scary sometimes yeah you know and, and you know many of us um i would say all of us have some degree of intuitive ability there are some people that have enhanced abilities such as yourself uh you know uh mediums that that practice uh, spirit communication um but the thing is that we all have the power to connect either, you know, among the living or those who are no longer living, uh, if we're able to get into that zone and quiet our minds and get into that altered state of consciousness. And, you know, a lot of our work um, involves, you know, mediums and people, I, I think, sometimes become too reliant on you know, the, the medium communication and they stop the possibility of having their own, you know, personal communication. You know, uh, a number of years back, um, I did a survey and I asked our membership, one of the questions on the survey was, if you had the choice, 
would you want to communicate with your deceased loved one directly or through the services of a medium? And I thought the majority was going to say, uh, you know, directly, because that's the way I felt. But it was the opposite. And the majority said through a medium. And, and the reason people said that when I started to probe further was that one, um, people were fearful of things that they can't see, you know, the fear of the unknown. So that, that, that factored into uh, one of the reasons why they would ha rather have, have it through a third party. And the other uh, part is the people said that if I get it in my own, the communication on my own, I'm going to question myself. Is it my imagination? Am I making it up? Whereas if they got it through a professional, you know, a medium, then they could trust the information more. So and I understood the reasons for it. I was just surprised by it. Oh, yeah, because I always tell everyone, just trust your intuitive abilities because it's always there for you. And the more we meditate, the more we become enlightened, the more our vibration rises, we can then feel and see these things. I mean, some of my clients get afraid when I mention to them, we're actually walking amongst the uh, other people that we don't see. <laughs> you know, if your vibration is very high, you would see that I was in the car with my granddaughter a few days ago, and uh, she's 19, she'll be 19. And she's very uh, intuitive and psychic. And, and all of a sudden, she said to me, Grandma, did you just see that? And I said, see what? She's, oh, I saw that lady walk right through the bus. Well, of course, she's seeing at a different vibration. And I, I looked at her and I smiled. I said, well, I didn't see it, but I know it's there. But yeah, I guess people, be, they're actually afraid of this. Yeah, the, you know, the, I'm always reminded uh, one time at one of our uh, grief retreats, I was having a conversation with one of the attendees and I said, what, what would it take, you know, for you to 100% believe and know, you know, that your daughter still exists, you know, mm -hmm. your deceased daughter. And she said, if I saw my daughter, if I visually saw her, then I would be absolutely convinced. And that, okay, that, that made sense. And then about maybe four or five years later, I happened to see the same person again. And she grabbed me on the side. She said, Bob, she he said, I saw my daughter. And I said, really? What happened? I, I woke up and I saw her sitting on the side of my bed. I said, and, and then what happened? She said, well, then I got so scared that I started, I let out a scream and, and then my daughter was gone. And, yeah. you know, I, I tell that as an example, because here we are, we, we, we want desperately to be able to communicate with our, our loved ones. Um, and then here, this woman's daughter was able to manifest in physical form to visit her mom. Yeah. And what a shame that the fear took over instead of embracing it, you know, and, and having a, a conversation or being together. So, and, and fear um, is instilled upon us, um, maybe by our families or maybe by uh, the movies or uh, media um, and our educators, you know, because they keep telling us that, you know, we only believe in what you can see with, and perceive with your physical senses. So that fear uh, perception just takes hold and it's paralyzing to a, to a certain degree. Oh, with, without a, a doubt, you know, when my when my mom died the night before she passed away, she had me do healing on her, which she never did. Um, but for some reason, I guess it, she wanted it. And so I, I had said to her, not doing can't can't do healing on you, you know, can't help you get better physically, but um, you'll feel peace and calm and know that it'll you'll be just fine when you go home to the other side. And then I had mentioned to my sister, you know, mommy's going to pass away probably the next day. And of course, my sister was in complete denial. But I, the next morning, um, because my mom died in the, in the house with us, and um, my sister got deathly ill. She uh, was very sick. And then I, when I was sitting with my mom, all of a sudden, I had the feeling like I couldn't breathe. And so I stepped out of the room for just one moment and that's when she passed away. Hmm. And then of course, you know, I, my sister came running in and stuff and, um, and she kept on telling me, I don't think mommy went to the light. I don't think mommy went to the light. And I said to her, Janet, I says, grandma was here. And I told her everyone who was in the room because I could see them. I said, believe me, she's hovering around to make sure we're fine, but she will go to the light. Well, 
long story short, that night at my sister and I, you know, we, we need to do plan. We needed to do planning and stuff. So we were up to like two o'clock in the morning and then we finally uh, went to sleep and I was in her home. So I slept upstairs and her and her husband slept downstairs. And uh, all of a sudden I hear them screaming downstairs. <laughs> I go running downstairs. What's the matter? What happened? Now, mind you, he doesn't believe in any of this. And my sister does to an extent. All of a sudden, she said to me, mommy and grandma were here in the room and they saw all this bright light and then they both went straight up, you know, through the ceiling. And I looked at her and I said, I had, I, because you didn't believe I says she needed to show you she was just fine. And then from that moment forward, he believed her husband because of, he was shaking to no end because he actually saw a spirit. And then from that point on, she believed. So um, yeah, and then, then I went upstairs after like an hour of finally calming them down. All of a sudden now, mind you, my door was completely closed in the bedroom. The door all of a sudden opens and here comes these orbs all coming into the room one by one. And I knew exactly who they were. It was my mother, my grandmother, it was everybody. And they, there was 12 of them to be exact. And they all started like coming into each other and they formed one huge light and went right through the ceiling. Yeah. And I said, thank you, God. That was an experience that was unbelievable. So, well, yeah. These, these end of life experiences, excuse my catch. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, the, the, um, it's just a tail walking back and forth. Um, gonna, she has to be the center of attention. Well, they all do. Uh, yeah. the, um, these end of life experiences are extraordinary. And, you know, talk to, um, as we've done over the years, the medical doctors that run hospice, um, and they will tell you that um, the majority of people have these... Um, they call them either end of life experiences or deathbed visions, you know, that they have an escort to the other side. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've experienced it with people uh, in my life, that, you know, that have passed away. Um, and um, it's a comforting thought, you know, uh, because nobody truly dies alone, you know, I mean, we have our loved ones, you know, that, that you know, take us to the other side. I, I recall when my mother was, uh, it was about a week before she passed away, and we were all sitting um she was sitting in a recliner chair at home and the rest of the family was sitting in a semicircle and chairs in front of the recliner and there was one empty chair and all of a sudden uh, my mother looks you know at the empty chair and she starts talking to her her deceased mom 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 and you know of course everybody else in the room didn't know what was going on but my wife and i did because this is our world um and then my father walks um, into the room he was in the kitchen and he sees the empty chair and he goes and he sits down in the empty chair my mother as sick as she was goes get up get up and she's going nuts my father had no idea that he sat on his mother-in-law you know <laughs> and he was bewildered he got up and, you know what 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 but um you know it happens all the time and my wife uh when she passed away she was talking with her uh, deceased uh, aunt who helped raise her and she was very, very fond of and uh, I have a million accounts like that but um, I think that there's no real medical explanation for it so I think the only explanation is, is a spiritual one mm -hmm. that we you know we, we all have have help uh, when it's our time to cross oh without a doubt I I truly there's no doubt in my mind that it exists there's no doubt. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, that, that's also a very common thing where, you know, where, where the, the theory is that our soul or our consciousness, you know, releases from the physical body and, and our consciousness or soul uh, or mind or whatever you want to call it is made up of energy and that energy um, can be detected. So people, as, as, as you experience, uh, sometimes they'll see a, a white light. Some people uh, actually describe seeing a silver cord, you know, which which supposedly would attach the soul to the physical body, you know, snap and release, you know. Um, I know when my mother-in-law passed, we were in a hospital and she had um, 
one of she was way you know past the point of treatment but in the room was one of those uh, those poles with a triangular thing where they used to hang the iv you know uh, bags but it was about three or four feet from her bed and at the moment she passed you know my wife and i looked up and that that triangle the big heavy metal triangle was just you know moving back and forth and back and forth so um I just interpreted that it that was her energy, you know, you know, leaving. So mm-hmm. it, it is, um, it's kind of a, um, a sacred experience when, when you witness something like that. It, it, it truly is. And I know like with my mom passing, <clears throat> excuse me, she actually did not want me to be there for her last breath. That's why all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't breathe. And the moment I stepped out of the room, there that happened so yeah. the, these the, the it's not it's not not real it truly is real this yeah. um um and, and you know i have uh, some friends that are mediums and um they do speak to you know the, the deceased you know ones um um and i know some of my friends actually say to me sometimes well, maybe they're not really speaking to that one that passed over. Maybe they're just reading our minds so that um, uh, they want us to believe that they're speaking to that. But I, I really feel a good medium, they have the capability of speaking to that loved ones. Yeah. Well, you brought up an interesting you know, topic because that is one of the common arguments about you know, mediumship, you know, that the, the mediums are not really talking to the dead, that they're they're picking up information telepathically, you know, from from the living. There's a theory that people call super psi, and that is that you know we're surrounded by a vast storehouse of information, and they say that the mediums are picking out this information from mm. from you know people may call it the akashic records, you know, physicists might call it a zero point field, uh, and and you know what? When I think about it, um, it's one thing to imagine a medium picking out this piece of information from this vast, you know, storehouse. Mm-hmm. But how do you extract, and that's, that's extracting a piece of, of data, but how do you extract the personality? How do you explain when the medium starts taking on the personality right. or the mannerisms, you know, of, of the person, you know, in spirit? So that makes me think that that's not the explanation. Also, we know, um, very often, um, in a, when a medium is conducting a reading, the sitter, the person getting the reading, has no knowledge about the information that's being presented. Mm-hmm. And they only later find, when they ask somebody or investigate, they find out that it's true. So that tends to dismiss the argument that, that the medium is uh, reading their mind because you didn't know about it, you know, you know, till afterwards. So um, I think that when you look at, you know, the, the, uh, the research as a whole, I mean, scientists study mediumship using uh, uh, proxy sitters and blinded protocol. So nobody has any information about any of the parties involved and, and mediumship still takes place. So I think it's real. I think uh, science has been studying mediumship now for the better part of a century and most have come to the con- conclusion um, that it's real. They can't tell you the, the mechanism by which it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think that mediumship is mind-to-mind communication. It's just that one of the parties involved, the, the person in spirit doesn't have a body anymore, but right. they still have a mind. So it's not much different than you reading my mind, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, mind-to-mind communication among the living. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. What, what do you think are some um, maybe examples of, um, you know, death communications? How, how do you feel that they communicate with us? Well, you know, one way um, that um, the most common uh, type of after-death communication is a dream visitation. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in that REM stage of sleep, um, your your chatter mind is set aside and, and the spirit form entity sees a, a conduit by which they can get through. You're not, they're not blocked. And you, you have these dream visitations where you can see your deceased loved one Sometimes, you know, you could talk to your, your loved one, you could smell them, you could hug them, you could kiss them and so forth. Very different from a scattered regular dream. Mm-hmm. And these dream visitations, you know, stay with us. Um, the, uh, since uh, people are energy in the spirit world, 
they can manifest uh, different things uh, uh, by manipulating energy. If you watch the Netflix series, uh, we gave Netflix a, a film, a, a clip that my wife had shot. We were talking about my deceased daughter. Um, and then we walked into our kitchen uh, that had like nine high hi hats in the ceiling. And all of a sudden we were treated to like a 4th of July light show. I mean, the hi hats were just, you know, just going on and on and off and flashing and in different patterns, um, which lasted about five minutes and then it stopped. And then I walked away and my wife called me and then it started up again. So, you know, it was kind of extraordinary, but I always think of a, a physical explanation first. So the very next, at nine o'clock the next morning, I had an electrician in the house. He, I made him take down each one of the nine hi-hats and I made him take off all the light switches. So there was absolutely nothing wrong. It had never happened in the 10 years that we had been living in the house and it never happened for the years afterwards. So that to me, I would accept as, as, a, as a, a form of, of an after-death communication. We're talking about my daughter and now she's saying hello. She's saying so, hello. you know, manipulations of energy is, is another way. You mentioned, you know, orbs, sometimes people see that. Signs, synchronicities, um, um, uh, all sorts of, uh, of occurrences that defy, you know, physical thinking, but they happen, you know, nonetheless. Uh, you know, some people um, just, it's very subtle. They just feel a sense of presence. You know, they're in a room and they say, you know what? mom is here i can't tell you how i know but you know mom is here or sometimes they'll smell dad's cigar smoke you know and there's no reason for it but you know it just happens so um people love to talk about the signs that they get in the after death communications and it's you know even though it's so-called anecdotal evidence it's been happening you know um since the dawn of man you know so uh, I th that is a form of evidence now you know uh Oh, I think this was about 25 years ago. I actually had a near-death near experience. Uh, I was working a lot of hours, taking care of the kids, everything. And um, in my sleep, I actually, I've, I believe I actually died. And <clears throat> as I'm walking through this unbelievably calm, peaceful tunnel of light, uh, there I see my relatives and uh my dog that had passed away and everybody's like greeting me and then at the end of the tunnel was my my grandma jenny and um she looked at me and she's smiling and this is the one that had passed away when i was 18 and as i went to reach for her hand i said grandma is that you is that you and she she you'd call me babacita and she said yes babacita it is and then all of a sudden as we almost touched one another she looks at me and she said oh, no no and she pushed me like that and i went all the way back out the tunnel woke up gasping for air and my husband said what happened what, what's the matter and i was number one i was ice cold and i said to him i think i just died and my grandma pushed me back and it was I, I can't even explain the, the feeling. And of course, I went to the doctor the next day to make sure, am I okay or what, you know, and he couldn't find anything wrong with me. So yeah. I think it was just for me to experience something like that. And when she pushed me back, it was a crazy feeling. I can't even explain it. Yeah. Now, well, you, you, yeah, you've, ex you've experienced, I mean, we work with yeah. uh, medical doctors that, that, um, <laughs> have been studying near-death experiences for decades. And you right there had three classic um, uh, experiences. Mm. Uh, one, you saw deceased relatives. Mm -hmm. um, two, you were really told that it was not your time and you were sent, you know, you were sent back. Mm -hmm. um, and three, um, you experienced um, what a lot of people describe as a, as a tunnel, you know, with, with light at the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are about, not every near-death experience, uh, you know, experiences the same thing, but there are about 10 or 12 classic things that, you know, are common to a lot of them. And I think it's tremendous evidence of, uh, of life after death. I mean, people who meet, um, it may not have been the same in your particular case regarding 
physical death, but uh, in a lot of cases, especially in the, in the surgical arena in a hospital, people meet every definition of death that medical science has. They have no heartbeat, they have no respiration, they have no brain waves, they have no reflexes, you know, they're dead. And yet, um, they describe leaving their body, being able to look at their body, even as the doctors, you know, working on them. And then uh, eventually, uh, because of our resuscitative techniques today, are able to get, you know, uh, brought, you know, back to life. And then they can try very hard to put into words what they experience, what they experience. And, and incidentally, a tremendously high percentage of near-death experiences, when they come back, um, they have heightened intuitive abilities. Some usually they didn't have any before, and now they're right. tremendously psychic and things of that nature. Um, but also for a lot of people, once they come back, it's it's difficult to reassimilate into the physical world because they were in this world of of beauty where they had no pain, mm -hmm. um, and um, and now they're they're uh, and also they had this greater knowledge, and now they're back in very often in pain again and have, have to deal with our physical world. So um, I, I think uh, that may be the most extraordinary part of that the experiences have to tell us, you know, that there is a different place and it's quite different than this physical realm. It's, it's very, I have to say it was the most peaceful feeling I had ever experienced. Peaceful and loving uh, I've ever experienced. Yeah, It was, uh, you know, uh, of course, I thanked them um, because I, I actually knew then what happened. And I said, all right, we don't want this to happen again. because <laughs> I want to make sure I come back. So, um, but yeah, it, it is a different and it is very hard to ex explain. And some people feel, well, it's just, you know, maybe your imagination or maybe, you know, um, something in your body heightened, you know, some uh, chemical in your body heightened. But I don't feel that that's the case. I, I really feel uh, some of us have experienced this. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, they try to argue against it by saying it's oxygen, oxygen deprivation, you know, right. mm -hmm. hallucinating. But if you've ever, um, you know, experienced, uh, come across somebody that's suffering from a, a hypoxia with a, a lack of oxygen, like a fighter pilot, it's anything but clear and lucid thinking. They're thrashing about, they're disjointed, it's very fragmented. Here, near-death experiences talk about clear, lucid, logical thinking. Yes. And they're thinking clearer than they ever did in their lives. So how would one explain that when your brain is not working? You know, that, that shows you that your physical brain is not the same as your mind. Your mind can act independently of your physical brain. Your physical brain, yeah. It was uh, unbelievable, and um, I truly believe we walk amongst the dead. It's just if, if our vibration was higher, uh, we'd be able to speak to everybody. Yeah, and, and some people um, are able to raise their vibrations and their, mm -hmm. their frequency and, and reach that at the same time that discarnates people in, in the other realm are able to lower their frequency and then some sort of, a, you know, a match occurs. Uh, but, you know, it's funny when we always talk about our loved ones, you know, like we'll look up in the sky and, you know, yes. but mm -hmm. if they're in another dimension, another plane of existence, they could be right in front of our nose, you know, like, like right next to us, you know, just, mm -hmm. you know, we can't perceive it unless we could pierce that veil, but um, you know, it's, um, we don't know. We don't know how many dimensions they are. You know, we assume that there's going to. There's also a uh, a natural progression. You know, of growth and learning on the other side. So initially, you may congregate with other pe like-minded people. You know, and then gradually, you know, kind of elevate to other spheres of of existence. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, a amazing. I I feel it's amazing and. Um... Uh, without a doubt, I know there is life after death. Do you feel, uh, this is a, maybe a little far-fetched question, that we've come back more lifetimes, that uh, we've lived other lifetimes? Yeah, I mean, you know, that that may be the most controversial part of, of all the evidence for life after death. Now, um, Ian Stevenson, who was a, a researcher at the University of Virginia, studied past life memories of children for more than 40 years. And now 
Dr. Jim Tucker is a medical doctor at the same university, continues his research. And, you know, there are these extraordinary cases of the, they identify children, children who start talking about a past life. And then the investigator, you know, the, the researcher becomes an investigator, like a detective, and he'll go and he'll, he'll pull medical records, he'll pull all sorts of court records. And sometimes if the, if the child is able to identify the other family and the location, they'll take them to visit the other family. Um, and there's a lot of um, extraordinary evidence. So the question would be, um, do, do we all reincarnate? You know, my personal opinion is that it's a choice. You know, that we have free will here, we have free will there. We may, it's a hard concept to think of in physical terms, but like you say, why would somebody come, choose to come back and live a life of hardship or poverty? You know, mm -hmm. you know and on a soul level, you know, possibly to complete their soul, they, you know, it's recognized that that component is still needed to, to complete them. So they go and do it. Now, we think that physical life isn't, you know, seems slow and it's like, goes by like, like it's an eternity, but in a big continuum of life, it's like a, a blip, a little tiny blip, you know? So to us, like, how could you endure it? But if you're looking, looking at it from a different point of view, um, th then you can understand it. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the things when I, when I look at all the evidence and I look at near-death experiences and mediumship and after-death communications and end-of-life experiences and um, even electronic voice phenomena, um, it's the most difficult. You know, I think many, many people, especially most spiritual people, believe in some form of reincarnation, mm -hmm. more so in, in other countries, you know, than here. But it does, you know, seem to make sense that... that um, that we have lived otherwise. Now, sometimes uh, the researchers tell us that the, the time between lives is somewhere between the average of five and six years. You know, it's not decades, you know, oh, like wow. you'll, you'll come back five or six years after you've gone. Um, I don't know. And then, then, you know, you also assume that there's what goes on in, in the between lives, you know, life, you know, between life until you decide to come back. People say that you you actually choose your mother, you know, or your mm. parents, you know, to come back. So it's so hard for us to think of things like that. But yet, there's a lot of evidence that says, yeah, we, we do come back. Yeah, I I, I think we do. I, I I keep on saying I don't want to come back anymore. <laughs> yeah, I say the same thing. I had enough. <laughs> I said, I said, I think I'm done now, because <laughs> I know I was a healer in other lives and I was actually killed because I, I've seen me uh, in my dreams. And I and I feel this lifetime, I was actually not afraid now to come out and say who I was. So uh, but yeah, I keep on saying I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah. No more, please. But well, you know, yeah. reincarnation would also explain certain phobias that people have, you know, like, yeah. They're deathly afraid of the water, and then you find out, well, maybe they they drowned in a past life, and so forth, you know. So, or fire, you know, things of that that nature. So, um, you know, there's also cases um, famous uh, in reincarnation research, birthmark cases, where the child, uh, let's say, um, is born with, um, you know, with what look like uh, bullet holes or, or burn marks in certain areas of their body, and you know, these birthmarks. And then when they pull the medical records of, of the person that they claim that they once were, they find out that person was shot and was murdered. And, and, and the, the birthmarks on their body corresponds with the wounds on the previous person. You know, that's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, you know, yeah. it's it very hard. You know, I, I uh, well, um, this was about three years ago. Uh, a mom brought her, her son to me. He was 12 years old. Uh, he kept on complaining about his, his shoulder was hurting and hurting. And she took him to all these doctors. They found nothing wrong. And then someone suggested taking him to, to me. And um, when we sat down, he said to me, I know what's wrong. I said, you know, don't tell me what's wrong. Let me do, you know, my session with you. And then we can figure it out at that point. And I didn't want to know anything about his shoulder. And so I, we did the session and I, I said to him, now I'm going to call your mom in and then we can discuss what we were feeling. 
So the mom comes in and he looks at me and I look at him. And what I was feeling is that he was shot in his shoulder during the civil war. And I could see him dressed exactly like that as a soldier. And I did not know that that's what he kept on telling his mom that he was in shot in that arm. And as, but, you know, while I was doing the, the clearing on him, my ex God and his angels to clear that uh, energy from him so that his, his arm would be able to heal. So she comes in and, and I, I looked at him and he wanted to say so bad. And I said to him on the count of three, let's both say what we were seeing and feeling at the same time. And I said, one, two, three. And he exactly said what I said. She, I thought was going to pass out because she didn't never believed him that he was an old soul that, that yeah. came back. And from that point on, and she always calls me or texts me. She says, I can't believe he does not have any pain in that arm now. Yeah. It, it was a past, a past life. Yeah, that's that's the most logical explanation. You know? Yeah. So effectively what you do in your healing work, you know, we, we would term as psychokinesis, mind affecting matter. So mm. when you heal somebody, your physical brain is still in your in your head, right? But your energy is extending beyond your body, mm -hmm. you know, and, and and it's affecting another person, you know. And and so, and and you, and, you know, healing work is a perfect example of that power of prayer, you know, th things things of that nature, um, and you know, even you know, telepathy, uh, you know, the minds are extending outside their body. I mean, you're you haven't thought about a friend of yours in 30 years, all of a sudden you wake up, you start thinking of that friend, and then you get an email or a phone call from that friend mm -hmm. after 30 years on that day. You know, how, how does that explain? You know, exactly. you're communicating, but not by, you know, normal means, you know. Mm -hmm. So energy um, is, um, is uh, something that we continue to explore, but we can't, we still don't truly understand it. No. No. And, and, you know, when people say, oh, you, you healed me. No, I did not heal you. I'm the little plug in from, from God and your spirit guides and your angels, your loved ones that actually come down and they're the ones that are doing the healing through me. It's right. not me doing the healing. So, um, <clears throat> and I feel we all have that, that abilities to be able to help out even ourselves heal once we tap into that upper realm that's mm -hmm. there to help us. You know, I always say, you know, that, that, that intuitive feeling that you get, those are messages from them without a doubt. And they're, they're telling us, they're showing us what it is that we need to do or not do. But again, as you mentioned, free will. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, when it comes to these, you know, signs and after death communications, I mean, what I usually tell people is like, when they say, well, how do I know if it's real? The simplest answer that I could give is that when it's real, it comes attached to a knowing. Like when you see it, something inside of you just knows, knows. this is your loved one, you know, coming through. You know, you're not questioning it, you know, it, it's solid, you know, and when you get those, now, not everything is a sign. I think it's right. a mistake to, to attribute everything as a communication or a sign. True, you know, it, it's in reality, um, it's not, um, but the, the, the really true communications, you know, as I mentioned, are attached to that where you have no doubt, you just know. You just know. Yeah, I always tell everyone, it's a knowing without knowing. Right. You know, right. And, and, and it's, uh, um, I always call them my voiceless voices. <laughs> because sometimes there is a voice, sometimes there isn't a voice, but it's just, you, again, you just know. It's that knowing. Yeah. Now, I know there's so many like psychics and mediums in this world. How do you know if one is real? You know, if you're sitting with a, a real medium or psychic. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons that I, that I wrote the book, you know, the medium explosion, because based upon my work with mediums over the past 18 and 19 years, um, I've, I've come to the conclusion that 85 to 90% of the mediums that practice today cannot do what they claim. Oh, and, wow. and, and, and that, that doesn't mean that they're mm -hmm. fraudulent, although some are. Mm -hmm. um, it's mostly people that have some degree of intuitive ability, like we were talking about before, 
but they haven't honed their abilities or skill to the point where they can truly communicate with the dead. And they, they combine psychic information, you know, with after-death communication, and they're just, you know, not that evidential. Um, so, you know, what we do when we evaluate, and we have a, a sort of medium certification program, and, and we train sitters, people that are getting the readings, how to score information as the medium is, is giving it to them. And general information um, is different than specific information and it has to be scored more heavily. So any medium can look at me and tell me that they have my deceased grandmother here because if they look at how old I am, you know, they know statistically my grandmother would be 120 or more. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, the chances are, yeah, you not too many people live that long, you know, but, but if she uh, said, the medium said, I have your, you know, your grandmother, Rebecca here, and my grandmother's name was Rebecca, that's evidential because, you know, there's an exact name. So that there's, you know, mediums, uh, sometimes I'll do a, a reading based on body language and assumptions, they size up uh, your age, your ethnicity, or where you live and where you talk, your and, and, and they feed you back information. Um, other times it's really, really specific and evidential and there's no way that they possibly could have known that uh, or even you know, found it on social media or you know, when they looked it up, it's very obscure information. And, and mediumship research has also been taking place for you know, 100 years. And, and, and most of the scientists have come to the conclusion that some people can indeed you know, communicate with the dead. Um, and, uh, I, but I think it's an, we live in an unfortunate time now where you know, there are a lot of shows and TV shows and movies about mediumship and a lot of mediums have become famous. A lot of them that we've certified over the years. And, and um, you know, people say, I, I want to be like them. You know, some of them are motivated by money or, you know, or fame and, and they, they hang out a shingle. You know, there are no governing bodies that regulate these things. Mm -hmm. Anybody can open up a sign, you know, a, a store and say, you know, Bob the medium and start mm -hmm. charging people $400 for a reading and come in. There's no ethical guidelines. There's no proficiency guidelines, you know, it's licensing and background or anything like that. And, and yet what a medium's doing that they're sitting with people that are, that are in grief and some of them are just hanging on by a, by a, a thread. And then if they see a medium that's, um, that's either fraudulent or um, inexperienced, they may walk away from that medium reading in worse shape than when they came. Cause then now they're convinced my loved one doesn't exist. It's all mm -hmm. a crock, you know? So we take mediumship very, very seriously. We, we tell mediums that before you embark on such a, a career that, you know, really um, examine, you know, your motivation. And it's not an easy job, you know, you're plus a lot of good mediums there. And I would imagine you feel that way too. You, you're empathic. So you feel um, the person that you're communicating with and that can affect you. A lot of mediums have, have physical ailments, you know, because of yes. the, it takes a toll. And that's why I, I, like when I do a session, whether it's a hypnosis or energy healing, I, I always see myself and the client stepping into a protective light shield mm -hmm. because I do not want to pick up their energy and I don't want them to pick up my energy. Um, and, and I've noticed a lot of mediums, the psychics become very sick and it's because they do not use energy protection. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's a good point because I've, I've asked that question, you know, to mediums over the years, you know, is why is it that um, negative information never comes through in a reading? I said, how could that be? I mean, assuming that there is, you know, that the universe is made up of positive and negative energy, why does negative energy never come through when you're doing a reading? And the explanation that I get most often is just what you said, that I asked my, you know, spirit or the universe or my guides to surround me, you know, with white light and, and, um, and that works, you know, because mm -hmm. you know, they, they just, and I would imagine if negative energy seeps through, um, they keep it to themselves, you know, you don't necessarily <laughs> want to communicate that to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it could be, uh, not good at all. Yeah. Um, and I've had it where something actually tried to, uh, you know, psychically attack 
Um, yeah. And then I start saying my prayers and, and without a doubt, I know, trust and feel that I am uh, protected. And then it, it can't come at me. It's an important point because, you know, especially if, if you don't get mentorship or, or learn or training uh, and you're in, intuitive, all this information coming at you at once, if you can't control it, you can have, you know, develop, uh, you know, mental illness or, you know, or, or physical ailments from it. So it's important, you know, we were working with um, the Yale uh, School of Medicine, and they were doing a study where they were examining mediums and other intuitive ability that people that heard voices, because they thought that if they could identify how a medium could turn off the voices, they could help some of their um, mental health patients who mm. were hearing voices, you know, to control it, you know, so that was an interesting study that uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what the findings are, but uh, it is important. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder with people that uh, are mentally ill, is it that they they see and hear and feel and, you know, a, a different realm, and that's why they're, they people think they're crazy, but they're not able to control that whole situation. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's true. And I think that there are, I mean, look, certain people need medication, they do have mental illness, but other people are misdiagnosed. You know, they're just highly intuitive. And then, but the, the psychiatrist that they're seeing says, well, this is hallucinations and you have a serious yeah. and you have to take, and they're on medication needlessly. And that's what I, I hoped in that study that Yale was doing is that they were, they'd be able to identify which people didn't need medication is just, it's normal. They just have to learn how to control it. Yeah, I feel that way too. Um, because, you know, I mean, here in California, there's a lot of homeless and uh, in some of the areas that I, uh, you know, I, I'll sometimes make a, a call, you know, I go to a house, you know, a home and do uh, an energy clearing and um, because there's a spirit or something in the house, but I see a lot of them in the streets and they're chatting and talking and to just nobody, but yet I, I, I sense that it's not that they're talking to nobody. They are actually chatting to other the spirits. And yeah, yeah. yeah and, and it's just a shame that we, we, we don't help them. You know, it's true. And, and even with our children, you know, I mean, children, as you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, they're closer to the veil, so to speak, and they have a lot of intuitive ability. It hasn't been weaned out of them yet by society. Mm -hmm. And yet when a child starts mentioning to, the, to their uh, parent that they see deceased grandma, um, what does the, the parent often do? They say, wow, I got to take my child to a psychologist because there's something wrong with them. You know, you're seeing things, you know, instead of talking to your child, embracing it, having a conversation about it and framing it as something that is a, more of a blessing than something to be fearful of. And I think if we could do that um, as a society, we'd raise um, more uh, better adjusted children. I think so too. I mean, my mom used to always tell me it was my uh, imagination, <laughs> but yeah. I, because my grandma was a healer, which was her mother uh, and why she never believed in it. I just, I cannot understand. Uh, I, I knew because of my grandma telling me it's not your imagination that I knew I wasn't uh, crazy. Thank goodness for grandma. I know, <laughs> because I don't know where I would be now. Right. <laughs> Probably heavily medicated. So. And out on the street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> out on the street is right. But um, yeah. So um, do you feel that um, because a lot of us can, you know, see um, and, and speak to people that passed on that it actually uh, helps those that are grieving? Well, you know, there have been um, quite a number now of, of um, clinical studies and published in peer-reviewed journals that show that those who believe um, in life after death do better in the grieving process than those who don't. And that makes sense because what could give you more hope uh, than believing that your loved ones is not 
dead, but still exists in some form, you know, mm -hmm. even though you, you know, uh, you can't physically touch them, you still can communicate. So I think that a powerful experience, such as a near-death experience, as, as you've had, or a really powerful medium reading mm. um, has the power um, to flip somebody and really change their perspective. You know, you know, we've been running um, these grief retreats for many years, and that one of them was featured in that Netflix documentary. But we see people, you know, come in on Friday as they arrive, and they could barely speak, and there's heavy grief, and you just see that they're tormented. And when they leave Sunday night, um, many are able to smile and laugh and have, you know, like a, a rejuvenation of spirit. And and in many cases, it's it's long lasting, you know. And and that's a wonderful thing, you know. I mean, because um, so yeah, to answer your question, um, such uh, no matter how you get there, whether it be from a personal experience or from research or from medium. Um, it really can do uh, a tremendous amount for someone's grief. Yeah, I that that's I, I feel that too because I I sometimes some of my clients come in and when we do a, a session, uh, all of a sudden a loved one comes in, and uh, and the the person's right in front of me and I can actually see them and describe. And uh, I had a, a a session where the. Uh, great great the grandma was trying to tell me her name and I just I just could not it was a long Italian name and I just couldn't understand it for the life of me and then all of a sudden I started smelling chocolate chip cookies and I you know after the session I I, I said to her has anyone ever you know baked used to bake chocolate chip cookies and it was the, the grandma and uh, it's amazing that if if you're not able to um, maybe you know hear or sometimes see, they'll they'll do something else so that you know that it's it's them. And in this case, it was chocolate chip cookies, and I knew no one was baking because we're in the office. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's amazing how you know the information gets manifested. I once was watching a medium do a reading for a woman, and all of a sudden the medium which kind of amazed me, started um, doing sign language, you know, as she's speaking, yeah. you know, accompanying her words. And what I found out afterwards was that the woman she was reading, um, uh, and she, the medium was bringing through the, the person's deceased daughter, the daughter was deaf um, wow. you know, in, in life. And when I talked to the medium afterwards, the medium said she has absolutely no knowledge of sign language, you know, mm -hmm. she, she uh, you know, but sign of kind of spirit took over her body and she was making all the correct you know signs and uh so you know how, how do you how do you explain something like that and it, it's that's amazing uh, yeah. do, you, do you feel sometimes that can get stuck into somebody like another spirit I know yeah well you know um yeah in mediumship we're, we're familiar with mental mediumship this this mind-to-mind -mind communication but more prevalent uh, back in the Victorian era, there were a lot of trance mediumship uh, was taking place and that the, the person in spirit would take over the medium's body and speak through the medium's vocal cords or, um, you know, or, or uh, actually control the medium's body. And sometimes the medium uh, was in a, an unconscious state and really had no knowledge of it afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, history tells us that and you don't see a lot of it today, but mm -hmm. yeah, the medium can, that, that explains how even mental mediums when they're doing readings sometimes take on that personality because it, it sort of moves through them. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. yeah. And do, do you feel that the, the, the spirit knows to leave that medium's body? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's never a, a situation, you know, or I've never that I've, you know, read about that, that they get, you know, get stuck in there, you know, they just, you know, now a lot of people believe that there are earthbound spirits, you know, the people that have such an attachment to the physical realm that they just want to stay close, you know, and they'll, they'll actually, you know, kind of maybe stay in a house or um, stay, let's say the you know, the, the person, um, you know, uh, had a, a habit or, or, or an addiction and they, 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 they live vicariously through, through, through others. But mm -hmm. uh, those are rare occurrences. And uh, 
for the most part, I think that when we pass, uh, we immediately start, we have help, you know, and, and, you know, but I mean, think about it, especially if you didn't believe in life after death and now you physically die and you open your eyes and, you know, you, you're dead, but you're alive, you know, so that must be mind boggling, right? There has to be a period of adjust, adjustment. We need help to explain what's going on, you know, so, and that may explain why some people take longer to be able to communicate than others, you know, that you need help. Maybe there are mediums on the other side, like they are here, that help to get the messages across, you know. Yeah, I, I feel it's fascinating. Um, and, and it is, it is a gift, you know, that we allow ourselves to be able to, to speak with the other side and to feel them. And, you know, I know many a times my grandma, when I was writing my book, actually, um, there was no doubt in my mind that it, it was channeled through her because yeah. I can, I can feel her hugging me and, and always being there with me as I was, I would close my eyes and just start typing. And I, and I'd say, Hmm, how did I know this? I never really learned it, but yet I know it. Yeah. The yes. form of automatic writing, you know, where you, mm -hmm. in a sense what you were describing, the person in spirit is kind of taking over, you know, uh, there are mediums in history that they would just um, pick up a pencil, put it on a piece of paper, um, and then start writing about things they had no knowledge of. No knowledge of, yeah. Um, there are mediums in history that would, did it with both hands. They'd be writing two books simultaneously. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we'll look at all the, you know, how many uh, composers and musicians and scientists and, you know, this, I, I don't know where the idea came from. It just, you know, popped into my head, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, came from somewhere. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. It's funny because when um, I've wanted to do a podcast for a very long time and, and I was sitting here and, um, and I said, all right, I think I'll call the podcast Motivate Your Life because that's the name of my website. And then all of a sudden I heard, no, no. And I said, all right, well, okay, so what should I call it? And I was given the Spiritual Warrior Coach. And I hear them say it a few times to me. And I sat and I chuckled and I said, do you really think that name is going to be available because it's so out there, you know, there's so many spiritual warrior. And um, they actually told me, just look, went on the internet and Bob, I swear to you, I got the .com and the .net, it was there. Yeah. So it, it's amazing. They do speak to us. All we need to do is listen. Yeah. You know, a lot of when we grow up, what do we, what do we say often? You know, I followed my gut. We say, people mm -hmm. say that they have no idea what that really means, mm -hmm. but it's really following their intuition, you know, you, you know, and, you know, I think we should pay attention to it more instead of just dismissing it. Yeah. And, and, and as you mentioned before, children are very intuitive. Yeah. You know, and, until the real life happens. And yes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully some stay in that realm. Yeah. Uh, and then others get away from it. But I, I, I feel like with my, my daughter, for instance, uh, she's in her 40s. And now she's all of a sudden getting into the spiritual of life. And uh, I, I think in their 40s, some, some people actually now, for whatever reason, embrace it. Yeah. Never too late. It no. takes some takes takes some of us longer to to realize it. Then. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So this is got to have you on again and and talk about your. I did receive your book. Oh, it's in my bedroom. I was reading it. Okay. Um, thank you. I did receive your book. I hope you received mine also. I didn't get it yet, but I'll, I have to check the box, make sure. Oh, that, yeah, because it was delivered. I think it said Friday. Uh, okay, so, it's yeah. probably there. I'll pick it up tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, so where can my listeners get a hold of you? And, you know, do you do workshops? Um, well, yeah, I mean, with the, the foundation does the website for the foundation is, uh, three, you know, foreverfamilyfoundation.org. Um, and um, all of our information on our retreats and webinars and things, radio show is on the website. Uh, I write a personal blog, um, as you mentioned in the introduction, beyondthefivesenses.com, which is when thoughts pop into my head, that's where they go. Um, you know, and the book is called The Medium Explosion, 
if anybody wants to uh, email me personally, my email address is robert at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. Well, I thank you so much. I'm so happy. Thank you. I'm so happy I found you. <laughs> I enjoyed Actually, it. You, you're the first man on my podcast show. <laughs> really? <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> so sometimes it's funny. I got an email when it was uh, about a month ago saying, gee, you have all women. What about the men? Yeah, and you got to get up to speed, Barbara. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I have to find the right man. And then he'll come on my show. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you again. So one more time, your website? Uh, foreverfamilyfoundation.org. Well, thank you so much, Bob. And, you know, thank you all for listening. And a big thank you to my very special guest, Bob Ginsburg. And I hope that you heard what you needed to hear. So please visit me at motivateyourlife.net and also subscribe to this YouTube channel, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. We're on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Apple, Chrome, uh, and uh, many other uh, avenues. Uh, and I also have another uh, YouTube channel, just Barbara Saban, and there I have meditations for sleep and grounding and uh, some other things that I hope you enjoy. And uh, for those of you maybe interested in learning uh, energy healing, um, check out my book, Gentle Energy Touch. Actually, uh, here we go. Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. So again, thank you to my wonderful guest, Bob, for all this knowledge. And um, have a, a beautiful week, everyone, filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs>